and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David, yes. how you doing? Flying solo. I know. I mean, I guess not literally. Yeah. Because there's two of us. David, I'm over here. But I mean, uh, no guest this yeah. week. Um, and uh, as far as how else I'm doing, a little, uh, you and I are both a little spent yeah. from uh, spending a, a, a raucous and wonderful evening at front of the show, Jason Eakin's wedding. Yes. Congratulations to him. Congrats to him and his lovely bride, Megan. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, it was a great time. It was uh, the, the wedding. I had a really, I had a real blast. It's weird. You, did, you did the, we, we observed this. Uh, you did the drinking. I feel hungover. Like I'm just, <laughs> right, cause you went, you, you went to Denny's. I went to until Denny's two 30 in the morning and then had to drive one of the groomsmen back to the airport yeah. at four 30 in the and morning and decided to hang out and, yeah. uh, do some work when I got back. Yeah. No, and, I woke uh, up with the, I did. I, uh, luckily, uh, I had, a, I had a ride. So, uh, yeah. I, I did do, I did do the drinking at the, yeah. at the wedding last night, but I, uh, I guess I drank plenty of water, got enough sleep, got up and, uh, had a lovely mother's day brunch with, uh, my in-laws. Yeah. Um, I happy fine. mother's day. I had a bit of a headache when I woke up. Yeah. Took some, uh, extra strength Tylenol, knocked that right out. Yeah. It's, uh, it was, it's been a busy few days, uh, because, uh, I've just been hanging out with fellow groomsmen and that sort of thing. And I've been, toiling over my it's it's very strange like what i wrote in my speech uh my groomsman speech was true it was surprisingly i've written a number of like speeches uh for you know like my my brother's wedding and and that sort of thing and so um the toughest the the toughest toastmaster tie that's what they call me (laughs) um were i a super villain i would be the toastmaster um but uh, your speech and Jason's speech were the hardest ones for me to write, and it's because I've known you so long. Like oh, other right. people, they probably like other other friends who, even if they've known you for a long time, like they just, uh, I don't know, maybe they don't have a certain, they only have a certain type of friendship. But when you're friends with someone for a long time, like in my case, you know, in our case, I lived with you. And then in right. Jason's case, like we just, we were so, we went to high school together and, and, you know, kind of came up in, in loving film in the same way and all that. And, uh, it's just like, I don't even know. I don't know what story to tell. Everyone has a story that they like, Oh, here's a story. Here's another story. It's like, I have dozens and I don't even know which one, like which one best encapsulates our friendship or whatever. And eventually I just, I wound up throwing in one of Jason's that I thought worked really fairly well. But for the most part, like with yours and with Jason's, like it was very broad Uh and almost invariably people respond well to them, but almost invariably I'm like, like I hear everybody else's. I'm like, ah, that's a better speech. Damn it. Cause that's, (laughs) cause there's a tangible story that they can point to. And you know, so, but, uh, no, I, I thought you had a great speech. You had me, uh, yeah, you had me in tears. I had you in tears. Yeah. You got I had me. you in stitches. Yeah. And, I mean, and, stitches and tears. and tears. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so you, like, you invoked the, the name of Carcassonne. Yeah. Um, I felt like <laughs> I needed we, to. We might be getting a little too inside here. <laughs> um, but that, that was fun. Uh, yeah, let's, um, well, what else is going on? So, uh, we, Honestly, we, we want to keep this one short. I've been doing this Grimson thing for days. Yeah. I have no idea. Is there anything in the news right now? Probably, but I don't oh, you remember. Know, oh, no. Uh-oh. 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 What's in the news? I thought of something, but I feel like it could take us down a bad path. Let's give it... Let's 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 do, let's do, with, jo- no, let's let's do with Joss Whedon. Uh, what, leaving Twitter? Yeah. Uh, why? 
I mean, why, 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 what do you have to say about it? Well, I personally uh, don't care. I think it's on Twitter. I I think it's, uh, well, no, that, yeah, (laughs) I I don't follow him. I don't give a shit, but like, I think it was the, the, the way that, uh, people, I, I literally, before we start recording, I literally said no politics. I was excited. I was excited for no politics. Mm Mm-hmm. And now here we are. Basically, um, there are people that got very upset with him for um, the second Avengers movie. And I, and I disagree with those people. I do, too. I don't because uh, I saw it again. I saw it twice. Okay. And the way specifically, I think the way the, uh, the character Black Widow um, was portrayed and they saw it as somehow anti-feminist and all that sort of thing. And like and I read some of the articles that people wrote about it. And it's like and I don't see it at all yeah and i i think maybe i i i kind of understand these people though like i th- i think it's a bit of an overcorrection on their part to be sure. like okay obviously like the way that women are represented and portrayed is um so routinely unfair yeah and um and and, and limiting and, and sexist that anything like the just the just the fact that black widow has a romance story or yeah. the fact that her, um, uh, I guess I don't, I, I was going to say, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, people have seen like everyone yeah, in the world saw old age of Ultron by now. Yeah, that's the, true. the fact that like fertility and like motherhood co- is even an issue. I think to some people immediately sets off alarms like, Oh, you're putting her in this box of being like, this is what women are. But I think you can have like, women are mothers and women do fall in love and you can, I think you can have those stories and women Uh, carry the babies. Men don't. So it does, it would be, it's a different, it's a different uh, physical dynamic if nothing else. So so I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with, uh, showing a woman falling in love and, you know, being, uh, at least somewhat preoccupied with her procreation. If if that's on her mind, it's not, I, I don't think it's in any way, uh, limiting, you know, did you see um, Mark Ruffalo step up to the bat? Love that. Like he's, he, Mark Ruffalo is great, by the way. Yeah. I like him Not more the best director in the world, apparently. But uh, uh, yeah, well, I guess you can't be good at everything. Can't win them all. Um, but uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't just mean that he's a great actor. Like the things he's been saying, using the way he's been using Twitter lately has been really nice yeah. and like standing up for, because someone said, uh, someone, uh, I, I guess said that um, Joss Whedon made, made black widow a quote unquote love interest that needed to be saved. Yeah. And, uh, Mark Ruffalo responded weird. I thought he made banner a love interest that needed to be saved, which is a lot more, more accurate. And I had read that tweet between seeing it the first time and the second time. And I watched and I was like, and while I don't necessarily like to bring in like the artists of uh, interpretation, like, yeah, that's true. Like, and if you want to look at it a certain way, maybe both of them need to be saved. And that's why they're yeah. attracted to one another. Yeah. And the thing about, I think, uh, about, I think their attraction, this is what I was thinking while I watched the movie, that the attraction between, or the, uh, not, not the attraction, but the sort of common ground between, uh, black widow and the Hulk, uh, or, or Bruce Banner rather is that they, I think all the other Avengers feel a sense of righteousness about what they do sure, and have done. Whereas both, both of them have this, uh, have, uh, regret and guilt about, yeah. about things that they've done. Yeah. Um, and I think that, uh, um, that, I think that's what draws them together. I think that's, that's what makes them a well paired love interest. 
and and to get yeah i that were that some people had a problem just artistically with that subplot and thing like it didn't really fit for the characters i thought it worked great yeah um, uh, that's i think the point i was trying to make yeah and just the uh and i was thinking about um as i was watching the film i was thinking about people uh, the article that i read about um you know the infertility thing and her like calling herself a monster because oh she can't be a mother so she must be a monster it's like yeah i guess if you want to look at it that way you can here's the way i see it first off she barely she barely uh, agreed to the uh, to be sterilized of her own free will i mean a, a monstrous thing was basically done to her right right okay so but let's put that aside and just say that she did it 100 percent uh of her own free will Basically, she gives up the ability to create life mm-hmm. so that she can better take life. Right. Which I would venture to say, male or female, is the inversion of humanity. Right. You so know, that's what's monstrous. That I think, yeah. yeah, I think that's what's monstrous. And so, um, and that, and I think that's, that's where, regardless of what anybody's politics are, like, anytime you put your own... You and I say, like, you always bring your own bias. That's fine. But I think you have to try and at least recognize what the film's trying to do. And then it's not trying to be a film at you. And I think, <laughs> uh, and so I think people are like, like, oh, so she's this bad person because she chose career over, over motherhood. It's like, what career? Right. Look at the fucking context for <laughs> two seconds, please. Yeah. You know, like not I mean, everything is, is like, cause yeah, you know, you'll find, uh, you know, few more dedicated social justice warriors than myself. It's in my sure. Twitter bio. Um, oh, is it, it literally is. Oh. I put it in there. I think um, I, I think you're about to lose a follower. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like the thing that always bothers me. Like, I think the Bechdel test is fascinating. I think it's great. And I sure. think it's a great way to sort of take the general temperature of where where film is and, mm-hmm. and, and a way to illustrate, like, so few films pass this seemingly simple yeah. test that it says uh, a lot about film overall. Yeah. But if you're judging a film's quality film by film, according to the Bechdel test, yeah. you're missing the point. And, and I think that's kind of... That's kind of what we're seeing yeah. here. Uh, when you when you say look at the context, I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah, it's but, the, it's um, the same with any. I mean, I would say the same thing, and in fact, have said the same thing to like, you know, Christians who watch movies, and they're like, they're like, oh, but look at this language. Like, they're in the middle of a war, right? Is this the biggest <laughs> thing to worry about? Like, yeah. look at the context. Yeah, it, it just the, it uh, astounds me. The Steve Zahn's commentary and Joyride. When he's like, the only reason this movie is rated R is because we say fuck a lot. But if a semi truck is chasing you through a cornfield, you're not going to go, oh, golly gee. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> um, he should do a commentary for every movie. Yeah. Um, um, okay, so that was good. The other yeah. thing, real quick, that you made me think of, speaking of Mark Ruffalo, the other thing he used Twitter for, did you see him tweeting at Disney saying, please more, uh, we need Black Widow and Scarlet Witch action figures for my daughters and nieces, and this is like are there no bit, action figures? They're so rare, and it was it was a bit, it's because it was a thing with a lot of Disney stuff, not just um, Avengers, but also it was a thing with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Like the uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy backpack has every character on it except for Zoe Saldana's, uh, and like there's this. There's only five of them. I know, I know, and there's this like, and there's like a there's like a um, a set of Avengers toys that come in one box. It's Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, Hawkeye, and Ultron, and Hulk. And uh, no Black Widow. But Ultron's in there, yeah. and Hawkeye, but no Black Widow. And it's, this is an ongoing thing that like Disney and probably other toy companies, but Disney has done it so repeatedly, 
uh, including how like there's so few Princess Leia toys um, that uh, it's clearly becoming a big thing. And now I don't know if you saw that T-shirt that Target recalled. Luckily, Target, there was a Disney Target line of Star Wars shirts. Okay, And almost none of them had any Princess Leia or other characters. The one that did have Princess Leia on it was a shirt made to look like a yearbook page where everyone was voted most likely to something. It was a little joke, but each character Princess Leia's was most likely to be rescued. (laughs) That's like the one representation of Princess Leia in the entire clothing line. And that doesn't fit the character one bit. Yeah. She's really strong. Yeah. I think, um, uh, what's her name? Jenna Bush, who reads, reads Legion of Leia, which region Legion of Leia, which is a great, like, site uh jenna bush is great for like um you know geek fandom yeah. from a from a female point of view i, I love her and she said i think it was her who said like how about most likely to lead a rebellion like, yeah that, that's yeah yeah uh do you know who kills jabba the hutt <laughs> right yeah. yeah it's uh and who and who does not flinch when faced with like what's an what's peter cushing's name i don't remember i can't remember. tarkin okay but there's he has uh, a title or something i don't know anyway but like yeah, that's so ridiculous. And it makes me wonder, like, when I was a kid and I was collecting X-Men figures, there was a Storm, there was a Rogue, there was, mm-hmm. you know, like, admittedly, there's not that many female X-Men, but if there is, they're going to get an action figure. It right. just goes without saying. Right. And I just never understood. That's yeah. weird. Yeah, I remember when there were you remember when there were X-Men trading cards? Yeah. Like, Phoenix was oh, yeah. the card to get. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just... So Marvel did it right pre-Disney, apparently. Yeah, I don't know if that's so true. I, uh, I don't have the research to back that up. Yeah, so Disney <laughs> takes Marvel, Disney takes Star Wars, and it's like, all right, let's downplay this. And, yeah, you know, and uh, there's, so there seems to be this like common wisdom or whatever that only boys want to buy these toys, A, and B, that boys don't want toys with girls on them. Hang or, on or a toys second. Toys with girls, which is, neither one of those is true. Hang on one second here. Okay. I'm working on a conspiracy theory, David. Okay. Just go with me. (laughs) If you go to Disneyland, you will be, or at least I am, put off by how huge Frozen is. Uh Uh-huh. It's taking over. It's basically Frozen Land at this point. It's it's ridiculous. And I think I mentioned to you when I went down to Disney World and I went to Epcot and I went to Norway and I spoke to some of the employees there uh, who are all – it's an exchange program. They're all Norwegian. Uh-huh. And and uh, the Norway land used to have a ride called Maelstrom that got shut down back in November and they're going to be turning it into a Frozen ride. Yeah. So I was asking them about that and – much to my surprise, given that they're Disney employees, they lit up and they're like, Oh, this is ridiculous. All this frozen stuff. And just like, but, uh, but I had this thought, it's like, well, Disney, like it definitely pushes, like, it's not like they, it's not like they're saying that there are no, to- that they don't like the idea of toys for girls, but it's a very specific, it like, no, 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 one of their Disney princess. princesses. Yeah. So it's like, exactly. well, if it's which, like, which we can't Leia have- is now, right. She's a Disney princess, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but like, I wonder if it's this idea. It's like, Okay, we have Marvel, we have uh, Star Wars, and yes, these have strong female characters, although I don't actually think Gamora's that strong. But um, but whatever, it's fine. Uh, is she more or less strong than Columbiana? <laughs> Zoe Saldana's other strong female character. Do you even remember that movie? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, are you talking about Salt? <laughs> <laughs> the, the other... Uh, and, and no, th- Colombiana was salt, but was always Saldana. <laughs> got it. Okay, got it. Um, uh, so yeah, the um, so maybe 
they just think, well, there is stuff for girls here, but then they're not embracing Elsa and Anna. And right. so, okay, we're going to downplay this and we're just going to push frozen all day long. And we're, since we're investing so much in this, uh, we can't have them scampering off to this action fair. That's for boys. Right. There's nothing for, there's nothing in frozen for boys, you know, at least not that they're pushing as far as merchandise. Yeah. Which and is too bad. Cause there's plenty, yeah. you know, and, the, and it, admittedly, like the thing that I, that I most like about frozen is the sister connection, which you don't find much in, in yeah. Disney films. But, um, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's that. Maybe they decide like we will control what kids are going to buy since yeah. we own these three giant things. We will now control just by just by virtue of availability. Yeah. You know who my favorite male characters are in uh, in Frozen. Down to two. Okay. The guy who owns the like general store in the <laughs> mountains. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or that elk. <laughs> The elk's pretty good. Yeah, those are my two favorite male characters. I also like there's this character who's very like, uh, oh, I don't know, very stuffy and has like a like a long pointy nose and a mustache and he's like a duke or something like that. Yeah. Is it Alan Tudyk? I think it's Alan Tudyk. And yeah. I remember I like the design of the character and I genuinely found him to be amusing. Um, I remember him. And I, and I actually do like Olaf because I think Josh Gad delivers some really good lines there. Yeah, he, he does a good like job. Like when he just when he backs up into some icicles and then he's like, Oh my, I've been impaled. <laughs> yeah. That's a good delivery. Yeah. But this is Josh Gad now with this, the comedian show. It's like, have you watched that? No, but just on premise alone, it's like, Josh Gad, don't you think it's a little bit early? <laughs> it's like, a bit premature, be, right? But yeah. But maybe, I mean, I know the book of Mormon was huge and maybe if I had seen it, which a lot of people did like, and certainly like, the comedians feels very much like a New York type of show. It's got Billy Crystal and it's a very like theatrical type of show, uh, in some, or at least with it's theater minded. And so maybe it's the kind of thing that everyone associated with the comedians saw book of Mormon, loved it. And it's like, this guy's the next big thing. Let's get him. Meanwhile, well, I think cause it's based, it's a, it's based on a series, a foreign series. I can't remember where oh, it was okay. from that. I think my, my understanding of the situation is Billy Crystal wanted to adapt this series mm-hmm. and Josh Gad was the guy he found who was willing to do it. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Like he needed a younger comedian yeah. or a younger comic actor, I guess, um, to, to be in the role in it. So, uh, yeah. But and you know, in a way it's like, I'll say this, like, I don't think it's too early in Josh Gad's career to like be on a show and, and be no, one no, of two leads. 1600 pen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Wait, was that, that was him. Okay. I, oh, I'm thinking murder at 1600. That's a different thing. Um, but, uh, but I think for him to be playing Josh Gad, I think that's when it's like, wait, who, what? I know this other guy. He hosted the Oscars a few years ago. Right. But I don't know who this kid is. And maybe that's the idea. I don't know. Well, let's pay some bills. Absolutely. Okay. What do we got going on? David, this episode is sponsored by Mubi a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $4.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. This week, uh, a new, mo- new movies include Othello, Orson Welles' masterpiece that won the top prize at the Cannes Film Festival in 1952. The film has been beautifully restored and is now available at Mubi.com. Quick note about Othello. Um, 
friend of the show, Jason Eakin, if you're listening right now, I, uh, he's not listening. He's in Mexico. Whenever he's listening. Okay. I had the opportunity to see a double bill of chimes at midnight and Othello at, uh, either the Egyptian or the era. I don't remember, uh, the night of your wedding. And I said, no, I'm going to go to this guy's wedding. All right. That was a tough choice. That's a tough choice. Chimes at midnight is not a film that's easy to get. And so, um, you've seen it, right? Uh, I've never seen Chimes at midnight. Oh my, it's marvelous. But, uh, but yeah, and Othello is a, it's a gorgeous movie. I, you've seen that, right? Yeah, I have seen that one. Beautiful, and and it has been restored. Uh, specifically, this, uh, their work on the sound uh, is marvelous. And so, go and watch Othello. Get what, a movie and watch Othello. It's amazing. It, uh, Othello is amazing, and it reminds me of. I want to say it's an Orson Welles quote that like the enemy of art is the absence of limitations. Do you know? Uh, uh, I didn't know that was him, but, is that it, him? but it's, cer- I don't know if it is, but it certainly applies to yeah, Othello. A lot of his films, but yeah, Othello, because the, the, the sort of standout sequence in Othello is the bathhouse sequence, which apparently was like on the fly cause they lost their location or something. And well, they just, the, like, I think the, uh, I think the costumes didn't arrive. So they're like, okay, okay well <laughs> right. we still have today. Where can we shoot where we don't need costumes? Okay, let's do this. And they came up with this Turkish bathhouse. And it is maybe the best sequence of the film. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, uh, real quick, oh, there is also sure. a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for a month. Just go to Mubi.com, that's M-U-B-I.com slash Battleship to redeem now. And by the way, if you're at the website right now, you can just click on the Mubi link and that will take you where there you, you need go. to go. And uh, yeah, speaking, I mean, th- talking about movies, we've seen the, the movie journals are coming back. We've just had we've had a really yeah. uh, wacko schedule yeah. uh, recently, and we just need to get back onto uh, on the tracks. So we'll be doing a probably a monster sized movie journal uh, yeah. in the next week or so. Um, so uh, now we it's it's interesting. We spent um, so much of the the, the first um, bit of the episode talking about. Um, women and female representation in yeah. film and, and, and these sort of issues um, given that we're going to be talking about maybe uh, the flip side of that problem uh, today. So let's get into it, shall we? What are we talking about? All right. So <laughs> I don't really know exactly what to cut co- like as far you i always have a hard time thinking like what the title for this episode would be and then i just look at the itunes feed it's like oh david said this okay done yeah um i think this one is maybe like arrested adolescence sure i in my uh, the email that i sent myself was uh man child movies and that's uh, yeah that is another way to say um, it and it's it's um uh i hesitate to even call it a recent trend because it obviously it goes like I, I think it it got its it, it, it sort of leapt into the mainstream with the rise of Jared Apatow as yeah. a director. And that's, I mean, it's been 10 years now since four year old virgin, right? That was Oh five. Yeah. That's five. Yeah. And, and so this is a trend of the last 10 years that yeah. you can almost not even call a trend anymore because it seems to be here to stay. Like, yeah, I think there are specifically comic uh, directors and writers, but I think there are comic actors who basically are now known for this type of humor and right. this type of comedy. And so, which is the, the, the guy who's probably in, uh, most of these characters are in their thirties. Would yeah. you say, um, who hasn't grown up? Yeah. Who's still, uh, you know, and, and being a grown up is often defined differently by each of these movies. Sure. But it often reminds me, actually, I'm glad when you brought this up, it was about the same time that, um, 
the movie Adult Beginners had come out. That is what uh, sparked and, this. Yes. Did you read our friend Amy Nicholson's review? Uh, I did not. I read a review at uh, in the AV Club, and I remember. And my first thought, honestly, where this came from was like, "Wait, they're still doing this?" Yeah, really. Yeah. So let me read a section from Amy Nicholson's review of Adult Beginners. Okay. So. Today, movies such as Ross Katz's Adult Beginners parade heroes like 36-year-old comedian Nick Kroll, twice the age of the boys who became men on the beaches of Normandy, as yet another misguided but inherently decent overgrown dude who would be a good guy. Sorry, there's something. There's like a pop-up in the way of me reading this. A good guy, if only someone would bother to make him, to make him such yeah. as a girlfriend, 40-year-old virgin, a hired girlfriend, failure to, failure to launch, a father figure, Cyrus, a sibling, stepbrothers, a suicidal sibling, sibling, skeleton twins, a baby, knocked up, 533 babies, delivery man, or for <laughs> Curl's Jake, someone else's baby. So yeah. that, that I, I'm really glad that uh, Amy gave us that list to work from. Yeah. Because that's more so than... Uh, I think what, 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 yeah, what, what, what really rings out to me more so than the fact that these guys are defined as um, not having grown up is the way that the movie, each of these movies imposes its own definition of what growing up is and what it introduces as a catalyst to that. And more yeah. often than not, it is either a woman or a child. Yeah, it is. It's a reaction to something. It's never somebody making the decision. And, and I guess I'll say this, like as far as drama goes, something needs to enter a character's life that forces them to change. It's very seldom out of the blue. Someone decides I'm going to do this because then one can make the argument that the decision itself, okay, the arc is over now. (laughs) Right. Um, So I do understand the need for that. But um, yeah, the reason that this fascinates me is because um, so I'm, I've become fascinated by what masculinity means in the modern age. Um, And I'll say this in the church. uh, There's this weird little, I think it's maybe, uh, this might be a comment that's a few years old now, so it might not be the case anymore, but, um, and I realize that the church is not necessarily culture in general, but I think it's probably reflective of this. Um, there's this weird, uh, exploration of what it means to be a man and, and it's really not that different, I think, maybe than what culture says or maybe what culture used to say, which was, you know, uh, handling your responsibility, accepting responsibility and taking care of it, um, whatever that might mean. It could mean responsibility for taking care of a child or, um, you know, providing for a family or at least doing your part in providing for a family. Um, and so it's a thing that I've become fascinated by. And so I've listened to like one sermon after another uh, in which they... Uh, the pastor will just exasperate it. And, and almost invariably they're talking to their specific congregation, which is probably younger skews younger. Mm-hmm. So probably like mid twenties and they just, there's such an exasperation there. Now, whether I actually like their general tone or not is another issue, but the exasperation is like, it's like there seems to be this generation of guys who love like for whom like getting to the next level uh, in their video game is like the most important thing. And like, yes, getting a job and all that, but the job is meant to just, uh, uh, subsidize their lifestyle of who cares uh-huh. of like getting high, playing video games and just hanging out with their friends, almost kind of the, the entourage attitude one could yeah. say, which to me is, uh, I guess my, my problem with some of this is that it, portrays these movies portray those choices as just inherently 
almost objectively negative. Whereas to me, if I want to be, if, if I want to be that guy yeah, and that makes me happy and I'm not infringing on other people's happiness by being that sure. guy, it's kind of a fine choice. Yeah. You can, uh, you can do that. I, that's the thing is like, this is what I, what I mean when I say the tone is that they'll put that out there and then they'll usually not always, but they will usually take one step further or right. maybe several steps further. And then they, basically say that uh we need to go back to like a 1950s mentality yeah it's like maybe a 1950s work ethic i could get that but at the same time nobody's looking at don draper like this stoic guy who handles his business to a certain extent um and says like that's the way to be like no one wants that it it needs to be somewhere in the middle yeah and again if that's what you want to do it's not my place to say that that's wrong yeah but if there are people that depend on you then it's like okay now uh, yeah you have uh, to do something um or, or if you become a burden to others sure like which reminds me of one of the great uh a movie from last year that i don't think got nearly the praise it deserved which is the uh, a very conscious uh gender flip of mm-hmm. this is joe swanberg's happy christmas did you see that i didn't Where i wanted to anna kendrick essentially plays this character mm. Um, and, and I also it, haven't seen young adult and I hear that's kind of a similar type uh, of thing to yeah. a certain extent. Young adults, a great movie. Yeah. I love that. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. You, you'd, uh, you dig it the most. Um, it's one where I kind of need to prepare my, based on what everyone <laughs> has said, I feel like I need to prepare myself emotionally. It's a bummer. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, uh, this reminds me and I, I had sort of forgotten about an episode we did, um, until we started talking about this today years ago, um, with, uh, Ed Salazar as the guest. Oh boy. That was a while ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was way back when we recorded our guest episodes at the old on the page studio. Yeah, studio yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, uh, and he was talking about uh, uh, movies that were sort of a precursor to these that weren't. He wasn't talking about comedies, which most of what the movies that you and I are talking about today are are comedies. Yes. And Ed was talking about movies like Fight Club, which are about um, to him about like. In America, for decades and decades, masculinity had a, this sort of clear definition mm-hmm. that was often um, it was the 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 role of the male was had a symbiotic relationship with the uh, subservient role of the female. Yeah. And after like the women's uh, liberation of the seventies, not that it made everything better, obviously, you see, right. like the beginning of the show, um, but you had you know it was it's become more acceptable and understood um that that women also are pursuing you know are are in the workplace and are in all these places that used to be the domain of men and um and ed was pointing out fight club is an idea of these people who are are, those characters would have been of an age to almost see things change from what they thought it was going to be as a kid to what it is as an adult. And they can look at their fathers specifically and see how things used to be, but look at their lives and say, well, it's not that. Yeah. And so then they have all this, whatever they understand as masculinity, which is often uh, confused with macho-ness. Sure. um, Which is just the, dumbest underside of what masculinity really is uh there's a guy on this season of survivor that's just such a fucking mook (laughs) it's just uh yeah um and and they act out sort of violently because because they're acting acting macho and i think now what we have you know in the 10 years after uh the the fight clubs and stuff is guys who never had that frustration who have uh grown up not having like those um 
those goals at all of like, uh, uh, it's my, it's my role as a man to grow up and have a family and support that family. Right. And, um, they make choices to be more self-centered or, you know, um, less responsible. Um, and again, the problem to me is that this movie, these movies paint that as, uh, as a bad thing. Um, when it's, when it's not necessarily to me, I think what often, what these movies often do, and admittedly, like looking at my list, I've seen some of them, not actually that many of them, but even the ones that I've seen, I think what, what it often does is it conflates these ideas that the reason these guys are, let's go back to playing video games. I have absolutely no problem with playing video games, but that tends to be the go-to of like, these guys are sitting around playing video games. I'm sorry. Uh, in, in the 40 year old virgin part of one of the like signifiers of the fact that he has no romantic life yeah. is that he has invested in a video game chair. Yeah. yeah. And ex- yeah, a video game chair specifically. Yes. And so, um, so we'll just use that as a little, as a, as a shorthand, but please know that that please, is not yeah. what I personally think. Yeah. So the movies are happy to use it as a shorthand. Very so. much. So. <laughs> Let's take um, a cue from them. And so, uh, I think it conflates this idea of like somebody who, because I at this point I know a lot of people who love video games. They appreciate it as an art form, but they give it a place. But it is a way that they can blow off steam. Um, why? Just the other day, I pulled out the old Super Nintendo and played Dark Doctor Mario, and quickly realized I need a new controller um, because where do you this, get one? I'm sure you can find one on eBay. online. I, I bought one online a few years ago, and the cord is like two and a half feet. <laughs> what kind of prison cell do they think I live in? <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, and they didn't, they didn't lead with that by the way, when I bought it. So, uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah. Uh, so there are people for whom this is a conscious decision to enjoy this thing. And I think what a lot of these movies do is they seem to use this as a shorthand for directionlessness. Mm-hmm directionlessness yes okay mm-hmm. lack of direction let's put it that way um as like they do this because they haven't made the decision to do anything else and so they're just killing time rather than making the conscious choice to live this way they just find themselves living in this way because they haven't yeah they're not going in any particular direction um and, and there you know is a that, difference that makes me think of what i hadn't thought of on this list which because it's an older older than this trend but that um that i like it part of this trend of it it's a better version of it is about a boy sure because that hugh grant's character in that actually has made a conscious decision to not uh undertake the mantle of whatever being a, yeah. a, a male grown-up is supposed to be like he he knows that what he's doing is yeah. not uh conforming to those norms and he's okay with it yeah. uh, and then of course he still has the you know he still grows up a little by the end um but it's not like i mean at the end of the movie it's not like he has settled down and had a kid himself right right? yeah what winds up being interesting is that he winds up being kind of responsible for this kid in fact in in many ways very responsible for this kid but oddly enough and i think maybe this is what makes about a boy great i think it's a great movie yeah is that rather than have this guy like go get a job like i'm in charge of a kid to a certain extent now so you know what i have a yearning to go get a job rather than that just the fact of of being emotionally accountable uh to this kid that's enough to make him grow up a little bit, but he doesn't grow up in his lifestyle. Mm -hmm. In fact, he brings the kid into his lifestyle (laughs) because that's what the kid needs. Yeah. 
And yeah. it's just like, and that, that to me, really like that's the fine is, line. Is that, that most Paul, Paul White's? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. That? Are you looking forward to Grandmother or Grandma? His new movie. Which with, one is that? With Lily Tomlin. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, it's yeah. Gonna be I like LA. Lily Tomlin. It's going to be at LA Film Fest, so hopefully I'll be able to catch it there. But I feel like that's the fine line: is recognizing that, like, yes, there's something missing in his life, but it it doesn't necessarily have to do. But it has, maybe has more to do with some of his philosophy, not to do with any of the indi- any of the specific things he's doing, and and incorporating these other elements, uh, human interaction, and like and human accountability. That doesn't mean he has to stop what he's doing. Uh, uh, completely and it's entirely possible that what he's doing is something that someone else needs and it's like that is subtle that is nuanced and that's why that film for me works a lot better than these other ones and i think what we're talking about is the difference between um immaturity and lifestyle and immaturity and emotion because emotional immaturity is a problem if you look at uh there's a movie that i more or less like called forgetting sarah marshall yeah, um, I like that one. It has some problems, mostly like a lot of Nicholas Stoller's movies. It's too long. Nicholas Stoller and Judd Apatow, like, get them. Get, they need some, like, some real stern editors on their movies. Because yeah. they're both, like, like the, did you see the five-year engagement? I did not. It's like a really good 100-minute movie that goes on for another 25 minutes after Ugh. that. Uh, it, it, he's got a real problem, but anyway, isn't funny people well over two hours, like two hours and 15 minutes, maybe I, I will. I think, cause I think, uh, um, this is 40 is two hours and 15. I think funny people might be even longer than that. Like oh, in the two twenty range. Jeez. Um, but yeah, I've never seen funny people. Uh, it's not terrible. And I, yeah, but I, it's I, long. I, I don't think I would have seen this is 40 if I hadn't reviewed it. Yeah. Um, and it, the, this is 40 more or less is terrible. I think, okay. I think I'd have to say it's terrible. It's got yeah. a few moments. Um, but forgetting Sarah Marshall, like Jason Siegel's character is not that this is what sets him apart from Hugh Grant's character yeah. is that he's not grown up emotionally. He can't handle his, his emotions. You know, mm-hmm. he has this heartbreak that, uh, turns him into, uh, just a pretty pathetic character. Yeah. And I think I, I, I have a problem sometimes with, with movies that are about these kinds of men, or people in general, but we're talking about men in this episode. Um, and there's a certain extent to which I have trouble sympathizing with someone who is too emotionally immature. It's no. one of the main reasons I've always, uh, I've never liked high fidelity as a lot of, uh, as much of a lot of people. Cause a part of me is just like, dude, just grow up, yeah. get over it, you know? And I, and I, and I get to that part, I get to that point, in my own emotions about a third of the way into the movie. Yeah. And then it just like, it, it just takes too long for the person to, to come around. Um, I was looking up some memorable, qu- that's a good movie to bring up actually in this instance. I, I wish I had thought of it, but um, the, uh, I was looking up some memorable quotes from that on IMDb the other day. I'm not sure why. Um, and he does seem to grow to that ex- emotionally and say like, I'm now going to try and do what she likes. I'm not going to, even though I'm in a relationship, I've been, even though I've been in relationships, I've always been looking for what I can get out of it primarily and not what I can put into it. Um, but that's like the last thing that he says. It's <laughs> right, the very right. last thing. And it's just like, okay, well, maybe if you like, obviously that's the arc. He arrives there. So it's not like you can do that too early. But if you have it be the absolute last thing that it almost feels tacked on. 
Um, and it's like, okay, we want to milk this guy's attitude for as long as we can and get people on board with him yeah. uh, by saying that what he thinks in this selfish, childish attitude is the best possible thing. Okay, hang on. Here's a little thing there at the end. Uh, be different. Okay, we got we we got what we needed. Uh, good soundtrack. Let's go. <laughs> Uh, did you see that? Um, this is off topic, but uh, um, someone did a very unscientific study. Someone who, like, I think worked at Spotify and had access to sort of Spotify like um, demographics and yeah. stuff, and did a somewhat unscientific study that uh, shows that uh, people generally stop listening to new music at age thirty three. I saw that. Yes, um, and I just I, thought didn't, I didn't read it. I just saw the headline. Um, every, like every article I read about it used. A photo from High Fidelity is like the header photo, which I thought was funny. Now, when they say new music, does it mean new music to the person or new music like it just came out? The, the latter. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Because I actually just bought my first Dead Kennedys album the other day. Which one? Um, give me convenience or give me death. Okay. Um, yeah. Like the That's one that has California, kind of the, uh, California Browse. Yeah, and uh, Holiday in Cambodia, yeah. and like some of, some of the bigger hits. So it's just yeah. like, does that have uh, Too Drunk to Fuck? That's on the it? one. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, and I listened to it. It's like, I, I love this. I think I'm, I guess I'm going to have to buy more of these. Yeah. Um, so it's um, like, it's yeah, new to me. Just, I mean, but, I think my favorite is, um, uh, plastic surgery disasters, okay. um, which I think they, I mean, the Kennedys get like lumped in as being like this, uh, punk band from like the, you know, the, uh, SoCal, or I guess they were, they weren't SoCal, the, the California hardcore move, mm-hmm. movement. But um, they became adven- more musically adventurous than that. And, uh, uh, I like that. And yeah, um, yeah. Plastic surgery disasters has songs like uh, "Moon Over Marin" uh, about um, rich people in Marin County. It's like a, this sort of hmm. futuristic look at like um, the like the environment has turned to complete shit, and the oceans are like uh, completely toxic, but the rich people in Marin County are still like holding on to their beachfront property mm-hmm. and like putting on like talk, like wetsuits and stuff to protect themselves just because just to like maintain their way of life. Yeah. Uh, it's a very funny song and, hmm. um, not really something you'd consider a punk song at all. Yeah. It's pretty well developed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not quite the, uh, the slapdash that yeah. you usually find it's in a punk too song. Drunk to fuck. <laughs> yeah. That's a, That is absolutely uh or yeah, actually maybe the more punk thing is I'm never too drunk to fuck man. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so sorry to get back to, to get back to it. Um, yeah, you know, uh, so when thinking about this movie, this, this idea and these types of movies, I think what's the first one you think of? Uh, I think of I think I think of Judd Apatow in general. I, okay. I, I think of I jumped to Knocked Up. Specifically. Yeah, if, if I had to main, name one, it would be it would be Knocked Up. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's a pretty good movie. And I think like Seth Rogen's character, that one is the one that I feel like we he's he's the lead, obviously. So we look at him and his situation, and we think like, okay, that's one we've seen before, and this is sort of the he's sort of the poster boy for what we're talking about. But I think the real I'll, I'm going to go ahead and say brilliance is Paul Rudd's character and uh-huh. what they do with him. That character so beautifully developed in this is 40, you know, uh, yeah, um, uh, which I didn't see. Yeah. And I know you don't like, but, and you're making me like it even less because <laughs> you're right. Like that. I think everything that we needed to know about those characters, we learned yeah. and knocked up and it was very well done. Yeah. Like there's nothing wrong with these characters. They're fully developed and they have something of an arc themselves, but they're still supporting and that's fine. Um, but like Paul Rudd's character, like Leslie Mann, 
She's not a completely pleasant person. She's not perfect. Right. And I think it would be easy looking at that. It would be easy to point to Paul Rudd and be like, he lives with this oppressive wife and all that kind of thing. But she still wants to connect with him and he's refusing to connect with her. Yeah. Because he's, he's if, if she's harsh to him, it's because he's probably she's like he's driven her to that by shutting her out emotionally. Well, so and, and this is where I say, like, well, I don't like to give anybody a pass and say, you made this you made this uh, made me into this, like mm-hmm. whether it be her or him. I think it's probably a cycle. Uh, and they, now it just perpetuates itself. Uh, but nonetheless, and either one could say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to try and stop being what I have been. Um, but because we're talking about this at the moment, and I think the film, I think, wisely holds his feet more to the fire than hers, because were he to engage more and recognize like, hey, you know, we're parents, we've been married a while. I need to be maybe a bit more forgiving of her attitude. Um and recognize what I might have done to provoke it, if nothing else. Um, and, but instead he just chooses to disengage. And so it's weird. Like he has all the trappings of an adult, Mm -hmm. but he's not one. And I think that's why I like that is that so many of these movies, like you were saying, and like what Amy said is, Oh, get a, you know, here's a wife, here's some kids. Now you're a grown up. Right. No, not necessarily. Yeah. You yeah. can still hold on to the childish thing, even in the midst of all this, which becomes, I think, which I think you can, we can condemn as far as behavior. We can condemn that even more because now you do have a responsibility to people and you're not doing it. Yeah. I think, um, there's, uh, I'm trying to think if the movies feel this way or if just Paul Rudd's character feels this way, but that maybe it's just the characters who fear that uh, a, a, a woman or a baby is going to represent the death of some other part of them. Oh, sure. Completely, which is not really true. You know, like in, in, in Knocked Up, uh, Paul Rudd like, says that... You know, the the revelation that he was lying to her, not because he's having an affair, but just to do fantasy baseball and go to movies yeah. on his own is like really sad and human. And like you can almost see, I mean, it's kind of almost kind of relatable. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that I, I like, one of her reactions was. I wanted to see Spider-Man three. Yeah. Like, uh, if only she knew, uh, right. Yeah. They didn't know when they wrote the movie. <laughs> yeah, they didn't know. No one wanted to see, well, no, everyone wanted to see Spider-Man yeah. three, but, um, uh, like I, I think that's maybe part of the, the problem. And I don't know if it's with the movies or with just the way we think of, uh, whatever marriage or parenthood means sure. that you've like, like, graduated from one thing to the next and there's a certain part of your life that's that's uh that's gone um yeah uh, whereas you know you can still i don't know i i've i i mean i'm not an authority i've been married for like a minute um (laughs) and you've been married for 10 years almost um but i mean i you know the the stereotypes are not about marriage do not hold true for me. Like I think my wife and I go out more now yeah. that, that, that we're married. We're not like the boring people who stay in and watch TV, uh, every night. Although we do that a lot. Yeah. Um, for a minute I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what persona are you putting out there? Uh, yeah, we do plenty of that. In fact, we have like, 
um, there's, there's essentially like a, a rule in our marriage that like Sunday nights we don't go out. Like, but, and that's the thing. Don't you find it for me? The fact that Jen and I can just sit and watch, you know, survivor and just talk about survivor. Like it doesn't have to be the most in-depth you know, passionate conversation or we don't have to be, you know, like jet setting everywhere. That was very freeing to me. Yeah. Uh, that you can just sit and be with this person doing something very mundane and you're just as much in love then as any other time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I agree. And, but I think what I'm trying to say is that, um, you don't, if there's a part of you that still wants to do what you did in your, in your twenties, mm-hmm. you can, you know, I'm sure certain, I mean, if you, even if you have a kid, you can do it very, very little. Cause mm-hmm. that's a lot right. of uh, time suck, but it, it's, it doesn't growing up. Doesn't mean you completely give up on that stuff. You can right. still, if you still want to, you can, the yeah. other, the, but the thing is a lot of people don't still want to. I find myself thinking like high school, me, if high school, we could see if my life, see what my life is like right now. Yeah. Disapprove of great large portions oh, yeah. of like the music I listen to and the job I have oh, and sure. like, eh, 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 and, and all that stuff. Um, but that's fine. Like I, I, I don't listen to, uh, pop music now in a di- Like I, you know, when I was in high school, I listened to punk like mm-hmm. exclusively for a lot of the, that time. And then like expanded to new wave and stuff like that. Um, but now I, I still listen to that stuff and a lot of other stuff and including like pop music. I know like mm. words to like Ariana Grande songs, that, <laughs> that sort of thing. And I don't listen to that because I'm boring now. I just like it now when yeah. I didn't then. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, but I still, I still like all, uh, yeah, not all. I, I still like the good punk rock music I liked in high school. I'm not listening to a lot of the, like, I don't know, Asian man records or, <laughs> Uh, the, the poppy stuff that I, you know, I was nuts about less than Jake when I was in high school. That stuff doesn't, <laughs> weren't hold we up. all, I wasn't, but <laughs> doesn't you know. hold up. Um, um, anyway, t- well, we and, should try to get this back to movies. Yeah, and and just- I think, I think what you're talking about is that, and the, there's a thing that I have been saying already, but it's a thing that I find myself saying more and more in almost every respect, uh, of life, not just film, but also, um, that like nuance is very difficult. Like walking a, a fine line is very difficult. It's much easier to just say this or this one or the other. That's it. And what you're talking about is you're prioritizing, prioritizing something or reprioritizing doesn't mean giving something up completely. If you want to fine, but you don't have to, it's like, well, like for me, Oh, my wife is now a huge priority in my life. And it has, she has, you know, movies has, have gone down as far in my list of priorities. That doesn't mean it's not on the list, you know? And if you do it, you know, if, if you're willing to put the work in, you can actually do put the two of them together if you want. Uh, and chances are like, if you've, if you fall in love with this person, it's not because, uh, they hate all the things you love, you know, (laughs) that'd be a weird, it's just like, I don't know how we fell into this. (laughs) This really took a turn, but, um, but yeah, we should, sorry, get back to movies. I apologize. But, um, yeah, uh, I had something that was in my tongue there and now I forgot what it was. Um, okay. Yeah. I think part of the problem with these movies 
and we say problem, but a lot of these are good movies. You know, yeah, I like are. Knocked Up. I yeah. love Role Models. Uh, I'm a big um, fan of uh, I Love You, Man. Did you ever see I that? I saw that one. It's I'll I'll get more into that in a moment. Go ahead. Uh, but I think some of the what what makes them a little uneven or, or on no, a little shaky, maybe, mm. is that they're that there are the the movies are on the fence about whether or not the established sort of constructs of roles and rules for gender and age, mm-hmm. whether or not those still hold, yeah. um, you know, cause, uh, it, I mean, it's great that it wants to make heroes out of, uh, you know, men who haven't conformed to whatever, sure. but then it often, uh, structures their, um, their growth around est- established, yeah. uh, uh, roles, you know, like we say, you know, uh, it's usually a woman or a baby yeah. that, 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 that turns them into, yeah. and you know, I mean, Seth Rogen in knocked up gets like a, an office job, you know, yeah. um, which actually I like because I think there's, there's way too much. There's a way, there's a large overrepresentation in movies of, characters of people with like exotic jobs. Yeah. You yeah. know, like most people have, uh, jobs that are, that aren't like, I don't know. Uh, architect is also always a go-to <laughs> yeah. example, but not everybody always, works for Facebook circa 2007. <laughs> right. People are always doing interesting things in movies. It's like most people have jobs that probably, and I guess I understand aren't like my job. It would not be cinematically interesting. It's, you know, cause I'm mostly, uh, I'm, you know, coordinating the movement of i can't say what i do but i'm coordinating the movement of objects or emails all day long i find it really interesting because of what is what the content of those objects and emails is is something that i'm passionate about yeah but um it wouldn't make for a good move my job wouldn't make for a good setting for a movie yeah my job is the essence of who gives a shit (laughs) um but i find it interesting because i'm at least learning you know photoshop and stuff um yeah, that's that's true. And when you think about, uh, I recently rewatched. Um, they came together, and uh-huh. you know she has the quaint, cute job, and right. he's view- and his corporate job is viewed as just the worst. Uh-huh. Um, that's that's how you, and he's got to get out of there. But you know, isn't it interesting that you know we regularly talk about, and that's partially what they discussed. Um, that was the criticism of Joss Whedon uh, that we talked about earlier. Is people will say like with women that like oh they just it's like oh they gotta just bring these characters back to like a man and a family and that's where they'll find their identity but almost invariably it's the same with male characters which is yes yes your job's important but it better not be more important than your family Uh like it always winds up coming back to family a woman will save this man a man will save this woman a children will uh, a child will save them both and if they're choosing their career man or woman yeah like, and to me, and something that we've talked about on more than one lesson a lot is that, oh, anything can be a horrible priority. Do you know who chooses family? The Corleones. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, they, they love family. Yeah, yeah. You know, and. But, you know, it uh, reminds me, there's an episode we're going to do someday. Sure. With Scott and I. Okay. About whether Hollywood overall is more liberal or more conservative. Right. Because they are both. And uh, arguments in the conservative, uh, in favor of the conservative uh, argument is the just 
uh, overall just assumption of traditional values yeah. in terms of in terms of those things. Even though I think Hollywood hates them, right? Like it's, it's it's a pandering kind of thing. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Th- this is what the people in this is what will play in Peoria. Uh, play in Peoria. That's yeah. what I was going to say Poughkeepsie, but no, the saying is Peoria. Yeah, yeah. Poughkeepsie well, they, is more fun to say though. Yeah. What was the? Uh, there was a. I think it was Futurama. Yeah, it was Futurama where there are all these like network bots, and uh, it's like, and each one has a very specific job, and one of them is, it's like, oh, and this is so and so whose job it is to uh, underestimate Middle America, and it's this woman is Tress McNeil, and she's like, she's like, it's good, but will it get them off their tractors? <laughs> it's pretty great. I wonder if we have any listeners in Peoria. I hope we do. Uh, I want you to. This show um, would not play in Peoria. Yeah, I want you to then comment on the. Uh, Coming on this website if you live in Peoria about what your what your tastes are. That's true. Yeah. Although, yeah. Again, I think I think we have an idea if they listen to this show. Right. I, this is, but this is the point I'm making. That people in Peoria have plenty of good taste. Absolutely. If you listen to this show, you've got good taste. Right. Ugh. That's what we're saying. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, and so okay. Um, yeah, I do to say about I love I love you, man. I think you'd like it a lot, okay. by the way. And I think this I, this is an example of, I think, one that, that does it right. And frankly, I haven't seen a lot of the movies that do it wrong because I hear that they do it wrong and I don't see them. Um, but uh, And then you've seen a few of them to review. I, did you see Delivery Man? Yeah, I reviewed it. And you didn't care for no, it? No, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, um, um, it's, there's, uh, never mind. What do you got? I guess I, it's just a personal preference, but I love Kobe Smulders. Okay. Uh, and to put her in that, like just dumb girlfriend role where she's yeah. like, I'm mad at you cause you're an awful person. And yeah. then at the end he's like, I recognize that I'm an awful person and I promise to change. And she's like, well, okay. <laughs> it's like, no, you big lug. Yeah. Like yeah. You, she's got her own life. She needs to look after. She yeah. can't be like risking everything that yeah. this guy who's been an asshole for 40 years is going to stop being an asshole. And you know, that actually, that reminds me of, uh, we've been talking mostly about comedies, but to me, one character who I think is a really great dramatic representation of this is Mark Ruffalo. And you can count on me. And he's oh, yeah, a guy yeah. who, you know, it, it seems very childish in many ways and just the way that he approaches life and the thing that he winds up doing that eventually causes his sister to, I think, rightfully say, I can't have you being this part, this much of a part of my son's life mm-hmm. because you are maybe at the moment being a bad influence on him, maybe when he's older and that sort of thing. But we don't want you out. I don't want you out of my life. And but anyway, but one thing that he always does is. He always says, like, I was totally ready to admit that I was wrong. I was completely ready to admit that. It's like, that's great. What's step two? <laughs> step two is to try to be better, you right. know. Yeah. But he, to him, like, admitting, and sh- certainly admitting when you where you've been wrong is a huge step forward. But you do need to take, it's not the only step, as it turns out. And I, I love, that's one of the best movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I need to rewatch it, because I agree, but I haven't. I've seen it maybe twice. I saw it in the theater and I saw yeah. it when I bought the DVD and I don't think I've watched it since. I think it's basically a masterpiece. Uh, and then Margaret is yeah. wonderful as well. Thank you for saying it correctly, even though it seems like it's, it seems labored. Yeah. But it, the name of the movie is not Margaret. It's yeah. Margaret. Yeah. Cause it's not named after a character. It's named after a, a poem. poem. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so, um, but, uh, what was I saying? Oh Yeah. So to go to I Love You, Man, that's yeah. one that I think does it very well. I think any film that embraces, to go back to what I was saying before, embraces nuance and acknowledges that like you don't, what you and I were talking about before, 
you don't have to give up all this stuff, all the stuff that you like, all the one could say childish stuff that you like. I say that as I look at my wall of Riddler action figures, uh-huh. you don't have to give that up when you embrace all this, you know, if you embrace all this other stuff or you embrace emotional maturity, you don't have to do that. Um, it's not an either or. And I think I love you, man, uh, addresses something that uh, a lot of these other movies don't. Because they talk about, as Amy said, like a man being saved by a woman, a child, whatever. I don't remember if she mentioned other men. Yeah, I don't know if she did. Yeah, and I think I love you, man, is one that says... Well, she did. She mentioned a brother with stepbrothers. Okay. But even that, like, there's a, there's a certain sense of obligation, whereas... A friend is someone... Oh, and she mentioned a father figure. But no, she didn't mention okay. a male friend. But yeah. she mentioned a father or a brother. And I think, you know, honestly, uh, to... I'm sorry, everybody, to get biblical about it. it. I don't remember what verse, but it actually talks about, like, there is such a thing as a friend that is closer than a brother. You know, that that is possible. Like, because it's someone that you're choosing to be with. Right. Um Whereas with it, with family, there is a natural sense of obligation that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you're always going to be in that person's life unless somebody makes a conscious choice to not be. But with a friend, it's we have this thing in common, and now we're going to pursue a relationship. And I think it's one of the reasons I hate the term bromance, by the <laughs> way, is because it sort of, regardless of what people mean... When they say it, I think it's just like, okay, yeah, but now you're implying that it's not possible for two men to be close friends. Right. If there's not some weird other element there. It's like, yeah, fuck yourself. Like, (laughs) I'm close. I'm very close with, like, a number of men. And, you know, yesterday, for example, I got very misty when talking about my uh, relationship with Jason. And then he came and hugged me. We both said, we love you. I love you. And like, Oh, really? Yeah. I've never said that to another guy. Oh. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> I'm not about to start. It's not going to happen. I'm not saying it so that I hear it back. David, uh-huh. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I picture you immediately like going into like a Boston accent. Easy to quit. And just, um, but the, uh, and I think this is a film that understands that, Sometimes the best, the best way to like, uh, to grow is to find somebody who is like you, not someone like a woman is different. A child is different. Even a father is different, but like, it's someone who's like me and we're going to move forward together and make each other better people. And, and you know, I can't, man, I'm sorry. Just as you mentioned, like, the, the ceremony and the wedding yesterday was very spiritual. So I guess I've got all these things in my mind, but the idea of iron sharpening iron, like making each other better people without just constant confrontation or anything like that. And I think that's what I love you man is about. Um, and I love it. And it's also really funny on top of everything else. Um, and Jason, it's Jason Siegel and Paul Rudd, who I think are two guys that do this really well. Uh, yeah, definitely. Paul Rudd does again with Jason Siegel. I'm on the fence about forgetting Sarah Marshall, uh, but I think his performance, I think he finds a, a level of, uh, I think he's able to, uh, modulate. That's right. Modulate yeah, his performance so. and, and make it seem yeah. realistic. I think the, and we should probably wrap up soon, but I think the, the, the last thing I want to talk about, cause we've been talking about the men in these movies sure. and we've, we've mentioned a couple times the women, but one of the things that bothers me most about these movies is that often 
that, that I don't like the way that, that women come in and start liking these men for no good reason. Yeah. And then they become worthy of these women. And like, it, it just makes the women like me, the Kunis in forgetting Sarah Marshall or Catherine sure. Heigl and knocked up or Colby Smulders in delivery men. Um, it, 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 it makes them just, just tools for yeah. the movie. Uh, yeah. and it, that's, that's a big part of the, the problem with these movies. And while I like a lot of them in general, I'm, I tend to be skeptical of them yeah. for that reason, because they, uh, they, they tend to, they, they tend to be so, uh, almost solipsistic about their main characters where, uh, everything else that is a part of the world of the main character is there for the use or service or, yeah. you know, to, 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 to to uh what's something looking for not inspire but uh whatever it doesn't say inspire yeah. the main character they don't there's so few other characters in these movies have agency of their own yeah uh, and that's why i like the 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 i really like the paul rudd uh and leslie mann storyline in knocked yeah. up because that is it's almost like a classic sort of um uh, something I like about great television shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or The Good mm-hmm. Wife, well, they'll ha- they'll they will have a mini story within the episode that comments on yeah you know uh, what's the main thing that's going on, yeah. but it's not it's not literally there like as a they're like a prop for the mm-hmm. main character uh, yeah so I, I uh, yeah that that's one that does it does it right that's that's good that's actually good writing which I don't know I mean Judd Apatow uh, I think he. Uh, I don't know. He generally doesn't get a lot of credit, I think, for being a good overall writer because I don't know if he overall is actually. Like it's, he's good at characters and jokes, yeah. but he's not good at at structure. Um, but that's that's one that's uh, I think a, a fairly um, subtle and sophisticated uh, technique that he uses there. And I think he does a pretty good job with uh, Catherine Keener's role in Forty Year Old Virgin. Um, she's definitely supporting and she supports the main character, but I think first off by casting her already, I feel like the character becomes more fleshed out. And then by giving her her own issues, like she has a daughter that is rebellious and she like, she seeks out Steve Carell for help in her story. And I like that, like that, that works really well for me. And so, um, but I wanted to bring up a movie that I haven't seen, but I know you have, which is the breakup. I've never seen that. I thought you'd seen it. Nope. Oh shoot. Maybe I'm thinking of Jen. Are but you I thinking rem- one time when we lived in Chicago, I was downtown on the, uh, what's it called? Maybe it was in mile or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And I saw them shooting it. That's it. That's what you're thinking. That's it. Yeah. Did they, did nobody explain to you everything that happens at that moment? <laughs> Someone I walked into PA and I was like, Hey, what are you, what shooting? are you shooting? Okay. So there's this yeah. movie, Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Anderson <laughs> don't want to give up their apartment. Yeah. We fade in on, um, <laughs> No, yeah. I think it's his character in the movie. He's like a tour guide. Like he, I don't remember exactly. I think he's one of those people that stands on the top of those like open top double decker buses and mm-hmm. gives tours. I think that's what he's supposed to be. Yeah. Cause that's what they were shooting when I was, uh, at the, the now defunct Virgin mega store downtown. And I oh, saw, yeah. I saw that bus going by, uh, you know, uh, and I guess Vince Vaughn was on it. The bus went by the Virgin mega store, the Torco building, all that stuff. <laughs> um, you guys know what we're talking about, right? Uh, those don't exist anymore. Uh, uh, I don't it, know what the Torco building is. Which one is that? That was, uh, that was a, a, a big, that was the building where the, the Columbia bookstore was. 
Oh, and there okay. and there was the big sign that said Torco. Yeah, and yeah. So we referred to it as the Torco Building, and uh, they took that sign down. Oh, so too bad. I don't even really know what Torco is, but that's just that yeah. was the sign that was on there. You know, um, the Sears Tower isn't the Sears Tower anymore; it's the Willis Tower. The Willis Tower. That's right. Yeah. When I took one of those uh, architecture boat tours, which yeah. if you haven't done in Chicago, it's amazing. If it's a nice day. Yeah. It's the best way you can spend a couple hours it's in marvelous. Chicago. It's so great. But the. Um, <laughs> The tour guide, I I love her for this. Never called it the Willis Tower. She called it the former Sears. There we go. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, but uh, what I'll say is that, like, what I heard about the breakup that, that kind of made me not unlike young adult. It's a thing that I feel like, though it is a comedy, I feel like I need to get ready for it. I heard that the breakup. A lot of people didn't like it because they went in expecting it to be like oh these two people like yeah yeah they're having they're having troubles but they'll reconcile at the end right no apparently not (laughs) um because and specifically because vince vaughn's character is excuse me unwilling to mature Mm -hmm. um and i kind of like the idea actually that um that it takes this character and says yeah what if he actually doesn't choose to be better or be more engaged then it's perfect. Like we might view the uh, Jennifer Aniston character as like unforgiving or God help me. And this is not a word I like to use, but it's one that people would assign would use, which is like, it's like, ah, she's such a bitch. Why can't she just be right. with Vince Vaughn? It's like, yeah, because he brings nothing to her. Right. He doesn't do anything like, yeah. And I while- the, in the trailers, there was that conversation in the movie for where, uh, she says, well, he's like, I don't want to do this. Or she says, I want you to want to do the dishes. Yeah. And he's like, who wants to do dishes? And that's such a, like it makes me think I'd like the movie because that is such a childish point of view to say. Yeah, who wants to do the dishes? It's like no. You, you, when you grow up to a certain point, you start to be able to think more than a day or two ahead of yourself. Yeah, and you realize, yeah, maybe washing dishes sucks, but it beats having a bunch of uh, dirty dishes that attract bugs and shit. Yeah, or it's or you could also <laughs> say like trailer at this point, but it's like I want you to want to do the dishes. Like who would want to do the dishes? Like nobody, notably your girlfriend. Uh, that you live with and maybe you could just do this as a way of being nice to her. Right. Like maybe you don't want to do the dishes, but you want to maybe take the load off of her a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know? yeah. If this movie does, uh, condemn him as much as you and I are, uh, then maybe I would like it. Yeah. And, and, and so like, uh, so okay, for all I'm, I know I'm in it. Oh, that's exciting. Have <laughs> you see me standing gawking on Michigan <laughs> Avenue? <laughs> they don't even cut your audio. I was like, hey, what's going on over there? Um, you and I could have a David and Tyler film festival. We could watch Let's Go to Prison and see me playing chess oh, in a prison right. at uh, Joliet Prison. Yeah. And then you uh, gawking at uh, the breakup. Um, you know, um, my mother-in-law okay. is in The Graduate. Uh, you know, I heard you telling this story yesterday. In yes, fact. yes. Okay. Um, the the scenes at Berkeley were, which were sh- actually shot at USC. Yeah, she was there at the time, and she's an extra. That like you see her, yeah. you can see her walk by. And I didn't. Yeah, that's right. You told that story, and didn't I say like, wouldn't it be funny? She's like, how's it going there, graduate? Like she just <laughs> yeah. she ad libbed a line. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, man, why can't reality be what I want it to be? Where do they just <laughs> extras and just passersby just walk yeah. by and just say something like, ah, leave it in. It's organic. That's that's how Ed Wood would have done it. Um, so I'm going to just go ahead and list some of okay. these movies. And then if you want to comment, I I don't think well, I yeah, have anything really up. to comment on. But if you have something you'd like to okay. throw in. OK, I love you, man. Role models. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. What? 
trying to think if that's really what that movie is about because he's so young that isn't he just it's, it's like just okay for him right i mean it's, is it it's i mean not okay. we don't like we don't like his behavior yeah but especially towards not yeah it's not okay but i'm saying he's going through this at a time where it's more acceptable for him to be going through yeah. this you know what i mean yeah you know what? actually there's one thing that i want to bring up specifically before we before we uh, end the episode and i think we talked about it a little bit and certainly i, I just mentioned it with the breakup um I do know that, and we talked about a little bit with high fidelity, that there are audience members, um, like if you look at any user comments or anything like that, there are people that just, that love these guys, Mm -hmm. that just find them, you know, it's like, oh, it's just this shaggy dog story about this guy doing things his own way, and then this woman gets involved, and, (laughs) you know, and I just find myself thinking, like, is that the fault of the filmmaker? Because obviously these are the protagonists, and so we want, they we want to be able to sympathize with them, but we also want to understand why they need to change. Is it the fault of the filmmaker that people are that off about the tone of the film and how we should approach the character? I don't know. Maybe it's 50, 50, but being not a fan of that film, I'm willing to blame okay. Stephen Frears, right? Yeah. He's made plenty of good movies. Oh, sure. I just don't think high fidelity is one of them. Yeah. Um, and I know that like Scott Pilgrim is one that I think a lot of people don't think he needs to change at all. They find him so adorable and love and, and lovable. Yeah. Those are the people who think he should end up with knives, which is, yeah. which would be him just retreating. Yeah. If he ended up with, with knives. Yeah. With a, with a literally a high schooler. And I, yeah. I know there are people who feel, feel very strongly about that, but I think that's uh, I think that would be wrong for Scott to end up with knives. There definitely does seem, and that's something that I like about the movie. There des- definitely does seem to be um, uh, an argument to be made for either one. Yeah, I, 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 I like, like the because, idea of him being with knives simply because I feel like we get to know knives a little bit better. Yeah, and um, when they fight together at the end, that's like a yeah. that's a that's a metaphor for like these two do work. Yeah, but. Uh, I feel like maybe I'm just like imposing my own morality of like people who are no longer in high school should not be dating high schoolers. I feel yeah. very strongly about that for some reason. Uh, so maybe it's, it's yeah. maybe it's something where it's just, uh, yeah, wait a few years and let's see where Scott is and where knives is yeah. uh, in a few years. And maybe they can, maybe they have something, yeah. but just cause they fight together doesn't mean they'd be, um, good or romantic pairing. They could yeah. be great friends. Yeah. I think they will be. I think Scott and I think and they're going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the beginning of a blah, 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 blah. Okay. So Scott Pilgrim, uh, knocked up adult beginners, the internship, which it's I didn't on. see, but it's, it seems like that yeah. kind of thing. Delivery man, the breakup, bad words. Never saw it. Uh, the world's end. <laughs> yeah. A little bit, certainly the main character. Um, but I think that could be, I think there's a difference between a character who for, very specific reasons like will hold on to the past yeah and like past exploits as opposed to someone who like you see the instinct in him to want to grow up and acknowledge that the world has is growing up around him but he doesn't want to he actively doesn't want to but he finds uh i guess this is sort of a spoiler for the end of the world's end but he finds a middle ground there where he gets to essentially live the 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 life of himself as a late teen early 20s person that he wanted yeah but i think it's very important uh, even though it seems like a th- small thing it's very important that he's sober at the end yeah that he's like it, that's almost like represents that he's made made peace with it. he's doing this yeah. in a more healthy way yeah and i i have my issues with the end of that film because i wonder how much the film like 
it's important to love this character and I love watching him. I think he's amazing. Um, but, uh, it, well, that's a conversation for another time. Yeah. And I think we probably, God, probably already had it. I'm going to watch that again. Um, Arthur. Uh, I never saw it. Uh, I didn't see the new one, but the original is delightful. Okay. And that's, that's a good example of like Dudley Moore is just a friggin' force of nature. But then his love interest is Liza Minnelli, who is also that, um, no, it's funny that you said like you didn't see the original because I feel like that's also already one of those movies like sometimes remakes come out and it's like okay now we have to differentiate are we talking about the original or the remake I feel like with Arthur the re- the remake was so forgotten by everyone yeah. that when you say Arthur it's like yeah. people know you're talking about the original one well, it'll I be just, like I, yeah. in another 20 years it'll be like a bit of trivia did you know this movie actually got <laughs> yeah. remade yeah. with Russell, Russell Brand um it's great, by the way. I think you would like it. And John Gilgood, in an Oscar-winning role, by the way, for supporting actor as his butler, is marvelous. He just makes fun of everybody all the time. It's great. Um, this is 40, Cyrus, uh, Neighbors, which I didn't see, but didn't seems like to be about, uh, I don't know, characters who have embraced responsibility but are kind of reverting back to this other thing. Yeah, they miss, I don't know. No. I, I don't care to go into what the movie is actually about because it, I don't know. I just didn't like it. Okay. You and I talked recently, um, very recently and yesterday, because I was talking about how much I didn't like Hot Pursuit. Right. And we were talking about how the for both of us, maybe the worst thing a movie can do is to try to be funny and fail. Like, yeah. That's the that's the hardest thing to watch. I'd rather yeah. watch like Cannibal Holocaust, than, <laughs> which I've never seen. But yeah. I'd rather watch that then sit through hot pursuit again because it's the most uncomfortable I feel in my skin is when yeah. a movie is trying to be funny and failing. And like, I know I recognize that a film can't actively physically sweat, right. but I feel yeah. like I'm seeing flop sweat. And I feel like, I know people like neighbors, uh, but that's how I felt during neighbors too. Hmm. Uh, I'm still curious about it just cause I don't know. I don't know why I am. Yeah. I like, I guess I like, I kind of like the idea that, um, the hell was that? Some kind of ding. Yeah, I don't know what that was. I don't um, care for it. Uh, I like the idea who, of Seth Rogen, who for a while was the character, like the, right. the poster boy for the character we're talking about, and now he's playing a husband and a father and yeah. that kind of thing, but still doing what he does. Um, you know who I like? And Who's that? I'm sure eventually there'll be a backlash and I'll turn on him, but I like that Dave Franco guy. I like him a lot. Yeah, he's funny. And uh, I saw Now You See Me, which okay. is not that good of a movie, and his character, there's not much to him, but... He brings a lot of flair to the character. I don't know. I enjoy him a lot. You know, they're making a sequel. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be called Now You See Me. <laughs> Seriously, Now You See Me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> I believe you and I were talking about this off mic. And we weeks made ago. A, weeks ago. And, and we and made and a I, great yeah. joke. Yeah, and I, well, I was like, oh, it's too bad we didn't do that on mic. And you were like, well, not everything has to be for public consumption. We can just enjoy a joke. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And then hung on to it for three weeks oh, until I, I had the chance. Yeah, I wish. Yeah. Like how um, last week I made my uh joke about the uh, the movie Max and the yeah. sequel being called Max Furry Road. Like I thought of that. <laughs> I didn't think of that on the spot. That's a pretty good one. I had that locked and loaded. Yeah. And, right. a, and a listener uh a listener uh, yeah. said you didn't get enough for that, which I agree yeah. with. Uh I think we wound up s- uh, conflating the titles of I know what you did last summer and now you see me and it came to I know what you saw last summer me 
<laughs> yeah, that should have been on mic, damn it. Yeah. I guess now it is. Now it is. Uh, okay, so Step Brothers, which I didn't see, and I know you like. Uh, yeah, I thought I you liked like, it quite a bit, right? Yeah, but I don't know. To me, I mean, I, I know Amy included it in her list, but I feel like it's too absurd to be. Okay. To have any grounding. Okay. Uh, Iron Man. Okay. Uh, Tony Stark is very much this kind of thing. Um, it's about a guy who takes no responsibility for his actions, and of course, his actions are. Uh, selling weapons to right. to uh, hostile governments and stuff like that, and then right. realizing over the course of basically the last several years, like what it looks like to be responsible, to be part of a team, to be like uh, an attentive boyfriend, and all that sort of thing. So his his arc has been very interesting. I, I love that part of Age of Ultron. Actually, the backstory of um, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver yeah. that had to do with Stark. And I, what I really liked about it is that. Scarlet Witch tells that story, and I guess I'm being vague in case people haven't seen it. Yeah. But Tony never hears that story. Yeah. Which is like a great reminder to us that like, yeah, maybe he's grown up a little bit and he's like accepted certain responsibilities, but like his slate hasn't been wiped clean. Yeah, there's really still like consequences. That. And and that he's still like that his personality is still the same. And so just because he has noble intentions, that doesn't mean he's always going to do the right thing. Right. He's still going to be very brash. That's how Ultron comes along. Um, so uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Chris Pratt character is very much like this as well. Okay. Uh, inside Lewin Davis, a little bit. Yeah, but I mean... Not a lot, though. There's a lot a more way. going on. Like, he's like uh, arrested post-adolescence where he's hanging on to certain, like... Uh, impractical ideals, I guess. Yeah. Um, which there's some nobility in, but mm-hmm. is not, yeah, not practical, I guess. And I think because of what is revealed, you know, he is also in the process of grieving, right? Yeah. Which will cause somebody to naturally maybe, I think, revert back to how things used to be back before that this was sense. the case. Yeah. Um, I didn't see it, but you did, Don John. Yeah. Uh, is that, it sounds like this is, that's one of the, I I don't know if that actually fits because that's almost these characters we were talking about earlier in the episode who like, um, like the fight club characters that like Ed Salazar said, um, grew up with one idea of masculinity and Mm -hmm. now are confronted with another. Um, Don John is more of a story about a guy who never, who, who lives in an enclave or whatever in America where he never had to divorce himself from those ideas of masculinity. And so, um, yeah, you know what? It's a lot like, frankly, the guy that I mentioned earlier that's on survivor right now. Like he very much has a Jersey shore quality to him. And so, yeah, um, I think Don John is more, it's less about a person, um, deciding to grow up, but a person sort of changing the parameters of what being, uh, an adult male means. Okay. I really um, like that movie a lot. It's on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet. I think I would enjoy yeah. it. Um, and I think you'll like what it, one of my favorite things that it does is that the characters all start very broad. Okay. And as the movie goes on, that each character becomes more and more of an individual. Oh, I love that. It, That's know. what I like about 12 angry men. Right. Yeah. Um, another, uh, here's another Joseph Gordon Levitt film, 50, 50, which again, I didn't see. I don't like and it. I know you don't like yeah. it. Um, that's a movie where, uh, uh, and that's not, you know, we were just talking off mic about how great, uh, Matt Frewer is and mm-hmm. he, uh, he and Philip Baker Hall are, uh, oh, nice. uh, when he goes for his, um, what do you call it? Uh, chemotherapy, chemotherapy yes. Yeah. The other two guys, the older guys with cancer that he becomes buddies with oh. are Matt Frewer and Phil Baker Hall. That's actually some that of the better nice. stuff in the movie. But to me, 5050 is more uh, just like, 
it just seems like an angry young man saying almost like, like, um, uh, is it Tom Sawyer who talks about like faking his own death? So everyone will feel sorry yes, for him I think and so, mean yeah. to him. That's almost, that's kind of the, the vibe I get from 50, 50. It's like, well, if I had cancer, then all the girls would like me and would, <laughs> I'd be popular. <laughs> Yeah, but didn't he have cancer, the writer? Yeah, but that uh, that can't enter into my yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, appraisal of the film. Um, and, and if even if it does, it's just like, well, if this film's any indication, he didn't do cancer right. Um, <laughs> uh, I've not seen the film. I don't know. But uh, uh, The Hangover movies, uh, I specifically wrote The Hangover, uh-huh. question mark. Uh, you've seen? Well, I saw, and I didn't see the other two, but also I was just thinking about like, you know, does every film where you have male characters enabling each other to act childishly and selfishly, like, does that fit into this or is that, or does the hangover, is it a different kind of genre? It's kind of a buddy movie, which tends to be this kind of thing, but not directly about it. I don't know. I don't know if it actually has any, like uh, the characters don't really, no, it's, it's wrong to say that they don't grow because actually hangover Two, the hangover part two, uh, is the full name, um, has almost the opposite of the, like the thing we were talking about where, with, uh, Ed Helms character having all those trappings like you were talking about. Yeah. Um, and him sort of coming to terms with the fact that there's still like a, a wild man in him, yeah. you know, I mean, it's in a very broad way and, um, it involves lots of gross up, gags and stuff but yeah. it, it, the hangover part two is really ed helms uh i forget the character's name um uh what is it? Pa- paging doctor no um <laughs> <laughs> um uh, it's it's really his movie uh anyway what's next uh, and then again this is one i haven't seen but i think you like jeff who lives at home i love that movie is yeah. that does that does this fit into that um i don't know i, I guess it, it certainly is about that kind of character but yeah. i don't know if it's about um, I, maybe I just like it because I think it does it in the right way, which is with a bit of uh, a touch of magical realism almost, um, hmm. which is something I like. Um, but uh, maybe magical realism isn't even the right word for it, but it's like there's a lot of coincidence in Jeff Lives at Home. Okay. But it's done in a way that like this is almost intent. Like maybe there's a mysticism too. Okay. Even though it's a very like down to earth movie and it's presentation, and everything, there's sort of a hint that like all these things are coming together for a reason. I don't know. I, sort of I like I, a serendipitous sort of thing. Yeah. That's a good okay. word. Serendipity. Yeah. Um, not a good movie serendipity, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, with, um, not Scott a good Cusack, character in, uh, in dogma uh, either. I don't even remember, uh, that person. Salma Hayek. All oh, right. Uh, yeah. So I guess I think Jeff who lives at home does fit into this, uh, genre. It just happens to be one that I like. Oh, okay. And then the last one is movie, a movie I have seen and don't like, which is hot tub time machine. Um, but, and it doesn't fit completely into this, but you have characters who basically find a way to be kids again. They already are, but now they find a way to be, to make that acceptable and they love it. And it's a film that says, this is great. And I think that's what bothers me about it. And of course it was very popular and got a sequel. Yay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, and then this is actually not on my list, but I wanted to mention it. I think maybe one of the reasons that I do, even after all these years, and I think maybe in some ways I might have grown out of it a little bit, but there is a, there is something about clerks that I like. And I, I think, watch it again. Uh, uh a, or maybe I don't need to, but I haven't seen it in a long time. 
there's a thing at the end where these two characters, you know, one works at a convenience store, one works at a video store. I think they're probably like 23, 24. Undoubtedly, Kevin Smith was thinking about this for himself. Um, I think Clerks is actually a very personal film um, in which they're talking about like, you know, we act like we're so superior, but what do we do? You know, we just dick around. We work yeah. at these no- these nothing jobs. They're like, what are we even doing working Push here? Push buttons all day. Yeah. And, it's just, and it winds up being it's this very... Push buttons all day. I think he says we push fucking buttons all day. Uh, that's uh, yes, that's yeah. right. I think he says like a monkey could do our job or something <laughs> yeah. like that. And so you know they link it to career. But if you look at it like the Dante character, he's he has a great girlfriend, but he's still hung up on the girlfriend that like dumped him years ago or sub or whatever. And it, it's kind of this. It winds up being this very interesting and I think complex. Uh, mentality where there's a there's definitely a juvenile quality to the way the film is made and certain outlooks but it's also a film that recognizes like we can't be like this forever we're going to have to at some point uh evolve or mature or whatever you want to call it we can't like what are our lives going to look like if we do not not merely like get better jobs because you could be perfectly happy working you know at a convenience store your whole life that's fine but if you're not going to mature emotionally right. especially when there are characters like a girlfriend or a friend who require that then what are you even doing you know you're just spin, spinning your wheels and stuff so that's actually a film that i that i re- still respond to again there's still a lot of stuff a lot of things that would become kevin smithisms i'm like oh yeah, yeah. okay i see the early beginnings of this and i don't right. like it but there's still a lot but, of yeah. uh, personal stuff there yeah, I think. i'm actually really watching it because i'm thinking about the like the fact that his ex-girlfriend dies is almost like like that's working on a metaphorical level that kevin is it, Smith is it his usually, ex-girlfriend it's someone he had oh yeah slept with uh, yes because yes. that's part of the that's right yeah um, cause Randall says you've had sex with a dead person. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. Uh, and that like that works on a metaphorical level that Kevin Smith doesn't usually yeah. uh, buy into. All right. This is a fun episode. Yeah. I enjoyed uh, it a lot. You can find us at battleshipretention.com. You can e- email us. Yeah. At, uh, David at battleshipretention.com or Tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me, David on Twitter at Davy pretension. You can follow Tyler at Tyler pretension. Uh, my, uh, well, your other podcast is called more than one lesson. Yes. And you talked about nightcrawler. What else? What else? Yeah. And that nightcrawler episode, uh, kicked us into the highest numbers we've ever gotten, which is exciting. Fantastic. Um, and so, uh, thanks everybody who maybe opted to listen to that. And then, uh, this coming, I didn't want to post it, but I don't think I have time to record an actual episode. So I think this coming, uh, episode will be a mini sode about, uh, Gandhi, uh, in which we talk about, yes, the film itself, which is better than I remember. Um, and very old school. Richard Attenborough is a very old school filmmaker and there's, and I actually kind of like that. I find that kind of refreshing. It feels like it could have been made in the early sixties. Um, but we also talk about the year 1982, which is a pretty great movie year. Yeah. And also the year I was born. Yeah. So. Same here. Uh, my other podcast is about TV. It's called Hey, Watch This. Uh, this week, we'll be talking about the season one finale of The Last Man on Earth. And we'll also be dropping in on Adult Swim's Children's Hospital. So uh, it'll be a comedy filled uh, episode of Hey, Watch This. Laughs. So, yeah, uh, that's it. Thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 